0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome in to Soccer Morning. Live and in uh, full effect on a Friday. Hopefully you're preparing yourself for what is going to be quite the weekend in the world of soccer or football or calcio or whatever the hell you want to call it. Whatever name you use for this sport, you can call it floorball if you want. I have no problem with that. As long as people know what you mean, and they probably won't when you say floorball, but as long as you can communicate what you're actually uh, talking about, it doesn't really matter what you call the sport, and it's a big, big weekend. Where do I even start? How do I rank these things in orders of importance? The Women's World Cup kicks off tomorrow. The Champions League final is tomorrow. There's MLS. There's what else am I missing? I'm missing things, I'm sure. No, maybe that's it. Maybe those are the important ones. But still, plenty of games to watch, plenty of things to take in. Uh, As we head into uh, the first weekend in June 2015. And it would be nice to clear the palette of all of this FIFA nonsense with some actual soccer, some top-level soccer. The pinnacle of the women's game. The pinnacle of the men's game. Anybody argue that those are the two things that are the highest in those respective worlds? That the Champions League final is the top of the top when it comes to the men's version of the sport. And that the Women's World Cup is the top of the top when it comes to the women's version of the sport. Now, you do have a final in one and opening games in the other. But we're going to get to the end of the women's world cup where the where the competition will be fierce. The US women kick off their campaign on Monday. So not quite there yet for them. But we do have uh do have games tomorrow. Very much looking forward to that kicking off in Edmonton with uh with Canada. Let me just pull up my women's world cup schedule cuz I didn't do that. Failed to do that. We'll take a look at this as well as, the again, the U.S. games, which I think I reviewed either. Yeah, I'm not I Where I reviewed those. I'm not sure it was yesterday or the day before. I, 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 even, I even jumped to Saturday. We've got a game tonight in MLS, Houston and Red Bull. And I'll be uh, on Rabble.tv doing that game again. I think I'm going to be joined by Aaron Stoller, which long-time... NASN fans will know as the host of the uh, Big Question, which uh, was a good show that didn't last long enough. Uh, Aaron will join me to talk about uh, Houston and New York tonight, so that'll be good. When it comes to the Champions League final, a couple of questions uh, present themselves. Number one, can Barcelona finish off what has been a pretty stunning season? It wasn't that long ago that Luis Enrique was under pressure, that Barcelona was said to be uh, failing. Here they are, having locked up the La Liga title, having secured a Copa del Rey, now looking to get a Champions League title. They have that incredible front three of Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. And can Juventus stop them, especially now that it's out, that Giorgio Chiellini will miss that game? And I was listening to uh, some soccer radio this morning, and Janusz Mihaljevic said something very important that I think has gotten missed. Not necessarily about the defensive side of things for Juventus, who is a strong, uh, t- strong uh, defensive team in, in totality. It's, uh, it's about sub-pieces, perhaps, as well, where Keelina was a threat. Oh, and I, missed, uh, I did miss something. I missed the United States playing today against the Netherlands in Amsterdam. That's what I missed. People aren't helping me out here on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. The United States plays the Netherlands today. 2.30 p.m. Eastern. couple of things to watch for for me in this game. First, with no Josie Altidore and no Clint Dempsey, who steps up at the striker position, what kind of setup does Jürgen Klinsmann use? We've been seeing this 4-4-2 diamond, which you might expect at this point. Does that lend itself to a pairing of Juan Agudelo and Aaron Johansson, the two strikers I think most people or highest on in this group remember Jordan Morris has now been added to this team after playing with the U23s in France he now moves over and joins the full senior squad in Amsterdam because apparently Jurgen Klinsmann really likes the college kids so and Morris started against Mexico in April that game that he scored in it'll be a shot uh, it'll be a shock excuse me To see him start today against the Netherlands, but you never know. At the back, questions as well. No Gonzalez, no Beisler. In this team instead, Ventura Alvarado, John Brooks, Michael Orozco. What combination of players will Klinsman go with there? And if he is going to stick with this 4-4-2 diamond, who does he play on the outside? Because that diamond does not lend itself to width. And you would like to get some fullback runs going forward in order to create those opportunities. DeAndre Edlin in this team, Breck Shea in this team. Those are the obvious choices. Timmy Chandler's also there. Uh, further at the back, Brad Guzan in his form. Definitely on the minds of American soccer fans. After losing his job at Aston Villa at the end of the Premier League season, being anointed the uh, the player in waiting, the number one for the time being, We'll see what happens when Howard comes back. It still may be Guzan's job. He certainly has this task in the Gold Cup. Today is the first opportunity to see him back in the national team, having suffered uh, through that period at Aston Villa, whether or not he has his confidence, it'll be big. And I want to know who's going to be paired with Michael Bradley in the center of midfield. Kyle Beckerman, Danny Williams. Danny Williams back in this team after playing once in 2013, once in 2014, been a long time since he's been a fixture. Can he gain, regain a spot? And is this about maybe phasing out Beckerman, who is clearly getting up there in H? Also on the U.S. front, you may have woken up to this distressing news. The United States lost 3-0 to Ukraine at the U-20 World Cup last night. This They do go through. They're already through to the knockout round, but they go through now as the second-place team in the group. Ukraine jumps over them with that 3-0 win. I don't have any reports. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but apparently the second half was not uh, not very good for Tom Ramos and company. So up against decent competition, they failed the test. In the world of FIFA scandal, interesting news yesterday that the Irish Federation took a 5 million euro payment gift from FIFA As um, incentive, not to chase down legal, uh, not to chase down uh, a a legal uh, solution to the issue of being denied a World Cup uh, place by Thierry Henry's handball in two thousand nine, if you remember, Thierry, Thierry Henry basically dribbled the ball. I mean, with his hand, like a basketball, essentially, to keep it in play and create a goal, a goal for France. Ireland very upset about this. Apparently, FIFA said, here's some money. Now, this money was given to to, the, to, to Ireland's FA, used to, to help build a Viva Stadium there in Dublin. Was listed on their tax returns. And is therefore, under. you know, is it even really that big of a deal? I think there's some moral issues here, but I'm not sure this is anything illegal. It's certainly not a bribe. I don't even think it's hush money now that I think about it. It's more of, here's some money to go away. But Ireland didn't really have a case regardless, so it makes you wonder why FIFA did this at all. I suppose Ireland could have made everyone's life a living hell for a little while, but I don't know how they actually had a case of anything here. All right. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines. I'm going to go over the MLS schedule, note all of the international absences cuz that's a thing this weekend it's soccer morning worldsoccertalk.com to the crowd. you're
2: too loud
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
1: Back on Soccer Morning on a Friday. We've uh, cracked open the phone lines. 646-832-3909. Get in on a Friday. Let me know what's on your mind. What's the, what's the biggest thing happening this weekend? Is it the Women's World Cup kicking off? Is it the Champions League? Final, maybe you're so country over club that it's today's game, USA and the Netherlands. Maybe that, a uh, friendly, that doesn't mean anything, but maybe that's the biggest thing for you. And yeah, this could be personal preference. By the way, we're going to take you up, phone lines we be open up until about 9.40 when Leander Schellackens will join us, to talk about the Champions League final, perhaps among other things, you can give us a uh, preview of the USA and the Netherlands, certainly, from both perspectives, being a Dutchman himself. Friend of the show, Mr. Leander Shalakins. Whose birthday is coming up, if I remember correctly. Very, very soon, as a matter of fact. We all get a chance to say happy early birthday to Leander. 646-832-3909. I said I was going to go over the MLS schedule. And then talk about the number of players that are missing this weekend because of international duty. First... Let's just go over the Americans who are with the U.S. team. Juan Agadello, Agadello, Kyle Beckerman, Michael Bradley, Mixed group, Brad Evans, Nick Romano, Breck Shea, Jossie Zardis. That's a pretty solid contingent of eight players. But then you have the U23s are also playing right now. And the U.S. U23s earned themselves a third place game because something. France beat the Netherlands for something. Alash from San Jose. Okwanu Real Salt Lake, not much playing time there for him yet. Alash is definitely a a loss for for San Jose. Shane O'Neill of the Rapids. Jalen Robinson, DC United, not, not missing time at the senior level. Dylan Serna from the Rapids, okay. And Tyler Turner from Orlando City. Some of those players are contributors, some of those players are not. USU 20s, Kellen Acosta, contributor for Dallas. Jordan Allen, contributor for RSL. Marco Delgado, okay, not much of a contributor for TFC yet. Connor Donovan from Orlando City. He's got a couple starts this year, I think. Bradford Jamison, who we know has featured for LA. Matt Miazga, gotten plenty of starts for the Red Bulls this season already. Eric Palmer Brown, in and out as a contributor for Sporting Kansas City. And Tommy Thompson, who Dom Kinnear needs to unleash in San Jose. Right? We all agree on that, right? A couple other names. Ambroise Oyongo. He's, he not, he's not playing much for Montreal yet, right? He was gone. It was Limbo. And now he's a impact player. And, yeah, not happening yet for him. Roy Miller of, of the Red Bulls is not available. He's uh, with Costa Rica for a friendly. Marcus Halstey from DC United called up by Finland. David Akam. Chicago, called up by Ghana. That's a big loss for them. Boniac Garcia and Luis Garrido for the Dynamo, both called up by Honduras. Or, I'm sorry. Well, I know Boniac Garcia was called up by Honduras. Is Garrido Honduran? Yeah, both of them. There you go. Christian Nemeth just scored. What, he scored once or twice? Once in that 4 nothing win last weekend for Sporting Kansas City. He's missing. He's away with Hungary. Robbie Keane away with Ireland because Robbie Keane's, if Robbie Keane's not hurt, he's away with Ireland. It's pretty much the way it goes for the the Galaxy these days. You got the Jamaican team down at the Copa America. Giles Barnes, Kamara Lawrence, Darren Maddox, Jermaine Taylor, Javon Watson. It's a lot of guys. Blas Perez gone. Jaime Pinedo gone. Sean Maloney gone this weekend. Maybe just, maybe not play. Maybe just stop this weekend. Maybe maybe decide not to just postpone all these games. Rain checks for everybody who bought tickets. We'll see you next week. Of course, they can't do that now, but you look at this list and you're just like, wow, how good is MLS going to be this weekend? How good could it possibly be? Opportunity for young players, I guess. Woo! A couple of things on Twitter. Stuart Weber. Stuart AS Jax. As a half Dutch, half American soccer guy, today's friendly is a rare chance for me to see both my teams in action at the same time. Which half wins out, Stuart? Are you uh, are you more Dutch when it comes to this game, or are you more not this not in this individual game, but the sport? Or are you more American? Which one is more? Uh, which one uh, wins out more more often than not? Jose uh, Jose on Twitter says, "I'd like to see uh, Morales." I'll, uh, um. Alfredo Morales play the full match. I think he's underrated. Hopefully he'll prove me right. I've never been sold on Alfredo Morales. I don't know why. I'll see what happens today. I'm doing player ratings for ESPN FC, so I hold the, you know, I hold that. I hold that power. (laughs) Is that that power? Does that count as power? If you can do player ratings? 646-832-3909. Oh, Youngo has played every game since he's been back. Okay, so how many games has he been back, Jose? I may have, must have missed that. I should go back and look at my my Montreal recaps because I must have missed him playing. But that's good. That's good he's playing. I obviously liked him. I liked him in New York. I'm not sure why they traded him. Who did they get? Oh, that's right. Felipe. Okay, I understand why they traded him. Six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. Stop being lazy on Friday, guys. Leander Scherlaken's coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll talk uh, with him about this friendly today. Champions League final as well. Should be good with uh, with Leander. And uh, thank you to thanks to a friend on Twitter, I discovered there is a song about Jack Warner called "Uncle Jack." Now, some of this is difficult to understand. I'm gonna play a little bit of this. If it doesn't work, let me know. Ooh. Ooh, boy, boy. Uncle Jack, guys. Come on, let's go. Now Pick up the page. let's Sing the song.
0: They
2: call a general election.
0: They set it for
2: the month of May.
0: Design a combined opposition. I don't
1: know what she's saying yet, but... To
0: fight against the valley
1: It's about Jack Warner.
2: Even compose a new song to expose all that was wrong.
1: Expose that's but all.
2: So Wait. For that.
1: She just said expose all that's wrong about Jack. About Jack Warner.
2: You need one But true it all.
0: One man keeps standing tall.
1: One man keeps standing tall. Uncle Jack Warner.
2: Your own vice president of FIFA. <laughs>
1: Now I've been told, I'm going to stop it there This song is very long, it's about 6 minutes long I've been told there's a line in there about Andrew Jennings I've been told that she references Andrew Jennings going after Jack Warner And I'm going to guess And this is just a hunch That she doesn't see it as uh, She doesn't see it from Andrew's side She probably Sees it more from Jack's side That's my guess I'm going to have to cut this song up I, I just found it out about it this morning I apologize for just playing it wrong
0: Uncle Jack. He's the minister who does sleep like an Arabi pocket deep. All that's wrong, he will put right like a talent sale, all this fella's pride. Uncle
1: Jack. Oh, man, I just love that. Uncle Jack Warner. Guys, he's so, uh, he's so good. Now, clearly, there are people in Jack's home of Trinidad who don't necessarily view the man as, um, as, uh, as evil as we do. And that's, uh, I guess, that's understandable on some level. He's, he's a man of the people down there. He's, he's a man of the, the people, and they actually enjoy him for some reason. But uh, you know, we're not, we're, we're so far removed from the situation. Maybe we don't know Jack. Maybe we don't understand Jack. Maybe we should do more to try to get to the heart of why Jack Warner does what Jack Warner does. Why he holds up pictures of articles from The Onion and acts as though they are legitimate evidence of a conspiracy against him by the United States. Why he gets songs sung to him. This song is, was uploaded in 2011. I'm not sure when it Oh, yeah, 2011. So it's not even that long ago. Well, after the man had been implicated in many a scheme to defraud many, many people. They still love the man. He's holding rallies. He's dancing. He's singing. Everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Jack Warner says so. 646-832-3909. Leander coming up. Reminder, I'll be on Rabble.tv tonight. Houston, New York Red Bulls. Me and Aaron Stoller. Talking MLS alternative to your SAP button. If you think if you're if you're one of those people, I you know I can't watch it in Spanish. I don't pick up enough. I'm missing something. Which come on, you could do it. You can watch it in Spanish even if you don't speak Spanish. It would be fine. But if you're one of those people, like I need the commentary to be English, and you're like, hey, wait, they have this SAP option, and bloop, and oh no, what? Is, no, no, this is bad. What? Is, no, I don't. No, no, this is terrible. I don't want to listen to this. That's when you go to rabble.tv. Look for the game, Houston, Red Bulls. My name will be on there. I've done this, we've done this, what, four times? Three times. Three times. Did it once with Jerry Dubois. Once with Thomas Floyd. And once with Charlie Baum. I think that's right. So there you go. I may actually attempt a little play-by-play tonight. I may attempt to be, you know... And we're underway from... That game's in in Houston? <laughs> I should do some research. We're underway from BBVA Compass Stadium. That's, that's sort of where I'll be. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I need a goal call. 646-832-3909. Hit me up with what I should use as my goal call. Because I saw this discussion on Twitter yesterday. Now, I'm a... DC-based guy. I would not call myself a DC United fan. I do have a soft spot for United, but I'm not necessarily a diehard fan. But even that's even though that's true, I do respect the work of longtime DC United play-by-play voice Dave Johnson, who also does basketball in town. I think he's the sports news director at the news the, the local uh, news radio station. And his goal call is, "It's in the net." You've probably heard him do it on some highlight somewhere if you don't live in the D.C. area. But that's his goal call. It's in the net. And I saw a friend of mine, Jeremiah O'Shan from SB Nation, saying it's not a great goal call. That's not a good one. It's in the net. Now, I defended Dave Johnson to the point of he's been doing it for a very long time, and there are worse goal calls out there. And it's... it's hard. It's hard. Play by play is hard. Go re- don't do it for pretend for five seconds in your living room. Try to do it for real for a full, I don't know, 10 minutes. Go try to do that. Play by play. Think fast enough to say words that sound good. <laughs> I mean, I get to babble on here, but I'm not describing anything. I'm telling stories, I'm giving my opinion. It's all off the dome, but it's it's not about something. I'm not wa- I'm not watching and trying to process that and talking. And this, yeah, give this is the thing. Trevor's bringing up some of the stuff that we hear on the MLS SAP option over at University of Deportes on Friday nights, and I, I get it; they're bad, and and there's certainly a level we're used to, and, and they don't meet that level. But it's hard, guys. It's really really hard. The white bullet has penetrated the transparent rectangle of success. (laughs) Sounds like a fortune cookie or something. (laughs) But seriously, it's hard. I've tried just a little bit, and and maybe it's because you're self-conscious. And once you get over that, because I know that people people talk about being able to do radio. And I'm not going to call you out and say that you'd be terrible at it. But you'd probably be terrible at it for a little while anyway. You need lots. You need to log lots and lots of time. You need to log hours. It's like being a pilot. You need lots of time behind the mic to be good at it. That goes for this job. It goes for play-by-play. And I don't know how good I would be. And I need a goal call, Robert in LA. What's up?
2: Hey, good morning, Jason. Happy Friday.
1: Good morning, Happy Friday. Which uh, which of your bones would you like to pick today, Robert?
2: Oh, no, 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 hey, no, no, I mean, I'm
1: not i I'm, I'm, I'm just messing with you. Go ahead.
2: I, I understand. Hey, it is a great week with, uh, you know, uh great week of soccer coming up. You know, uh, Women's World Cup and MLS and uh, the G 20 and even European qualifiers are coming up in Copa America, so I'm really excited. But I wanted to uh, talk about the, the you know, the FIFA scandal. Yeah. You always ask the country with your uh, conspiracy theories. And with this whole, about, you know, the the Irish FA accepting this uh, $5 million, uh, million lawsuit, yeah, awesome, lawsuit. Yeah. Go ahead. It just makes me think of, do you remember when uh, in the 2010 World Cup when there was that uh, USA against Slovenia?
1: I do remember. You're combing Koulibaly.
2: Do you? Yeah. Do you think there's a conspiracy going on?
1: Oh, what a rabbit. What a deep, dark rabbit hole that is, Robert. Uh, makes me sad hey, thinking hey, about it.
2: If, if I called you like uh, a month ago, it would be crazy. But now it doesn't sound well, crazy look, anymore.
1: It's 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 soccer. It's football. It's never crazy. That's the that's the scary thing. Uh, the Italians have gone nuts recently, claiming that 2002 was a bunch of fixed games because you know if you remember, South Korea made a run to the semifinals in 2002 as one of the host nations, and they got some pretty they got some pretty lucky breaks by the, from the referee. So uh, the Italians are out there moaning about that. Now, the, the Italians moaning about match-fixing is pretty hilarious, but whatever. I, I get worried. It's not that I don't think it's possible, Robert. It's that I don't want to think about it. Because if you open that can of worms, we are never, ever getting it closed. And it's going to ruin the sport for me. It's going to ruin everything for me. I hope that that's not the case. I hope it's just bad refereeing. Because if I have, if I if I, oh, go, I if I go to the level of, wow, maybe there was some conspiracy to keep the U.S. from blah 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 blah. I mean, they end up winning the group anyway. But if they if we if we go down that hole, then I am I'm just afraid i will never come back out.
2: Yeah, I understand. I, I mean, you're just saying that for, I don't know. It just it, you know, if you if you said this like a month ago, everyone think you're crazy, and now all of a sudden, like. You now tend to do, do a little more thinking about saying, well it could happen, this, but I, I hope it's not. i was just calling for that. Thank, for you, a, a thank fun, you,
1: thank you Thank you. Uh this is why I'm so angry about everything going on with FIFA. Not just because they they've corrupted the game, not just because they've taken it from the people and because now nothing is out of bounds. Because now everything you want to suggest might be happening is possible. That that's that's sad, that ruins things. If your team loses, I mean, we've already reached this point. And if you want to understand a little bit about the mindset, if you want to see where we're at, there's this fantastic piece by by Brian Phillips in the, at the Run of Play. I'm talking about five, four or five years back, about how how myopic people are about their teams and how everybody is a victim now, and that goes for life, but it goes for sports too. Everybody's a, there's a conspiracy against my team always. FIFA has now made that a valid argument. For everybody, especially on the international level. Now all you have to say is, "Well, FIFA's corrupt. Who knows what's going on here? Maybe that guy, maybe that referee is bought off. Maybe my team has been sanctioned for, for bribery reasons. I mean, maybe maybe somebody paid money to keep my team down. Maybe FIFA's manipulating the matchups. I mean, nothing is out of bounds, and that is sad. That's sad. That's the thing that could ruin the sport for me." That's the thing that can kill my love of soccer, is if I have no reason to believe that anything is on the level anymore. That's where we are. Thank you, Robert, for getting me all worked up, man. I was fine. Let me. I need to, you know what, I need to listen to a little bit more Uncle Jack. <music> that's good. That's a good enough. That's more a good, more than enough, Uncle Jack, for now. We'll come, maybe we'll come back to Uncle Jack. Just a couple minutes until Leander Schalakins joins us to talk about USA, Netherlands, and uh, Champions League. I definitely want to get his uh, his take on the Champions League final, Barcelona, with all of that firepower against Juventus, a team that knows how to defend. I'm not going to put them on Catenaccio. I'm not doing that. They've got their own quality up front. They can play some attacking football. They obviously have Pirlo in the middle. But but they're going to have to defend while Barcelona attacks them for the majority of the game because Barcelona is going to hold the ball as well. Juventus has to figure out a way to maintain possession because otherwise they don't have a shot here. 646 Just a couple minutes left here in this segment before we grab Leander. So jump on in. I lost my train of thought. There was somewhere else I was going to go before Robert totally took me off. Off on a tangent there. I didn't really mean to do that. By the way, if you don't get in with a phone call in this segment and you want to talk to me, you want to talk about something, I'll open up the phone lines for a couple minutes after Leander. So about 10 o'clock Eastern, we'll get the phone lines back going and, uh, and you guys can jump on in. Suggestions for my goal call. Only got one? Only one from Paul. That's why he's here, which obviously is stealing from... Jack Edwards in the 2002 World Cup. Should I bring that back? Should I revive that? I, I kind of feel like I want to I kind of want feel like I want to listen to that. Remember the 2002 World Cup and Clint Mathis scoring. The United States on that fantastic run to the quarterfinals in that game. I can find it very quickly, I can get it in before I have to move on to Leander. No, I don't think I can find it. I can't find it. Too bad. Who they, who, who is that against? Who was that against? I'll have to find it. Yeah. This is a highlight package. I'm, this is the sample. Well, that's an ad. We don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't want to do that let's take a break we'll come back maybe play some more Uncle Jack maybe find that goal call from Jack Edwards in 2002 soccer morning worldsoccertalk.com Leander Schellackens when we come back
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning. Joined now
1: by birthday boy, Leander Sherlockins. I knew I had the, time, the general timing right, Leander. I did not know it was actually today. Happy birthday.
0: Thank you very much, Jason. I get a Holland USA game, my my two home countries, as it were, to uh, to celebrate.
1: You you do well. Let's let's go and uh, take a look at that game. In the United States tuning up for the World Cup. Meanwhile, um, for the Dutch, it's all about getting ready to go back into world into European qualifying and trying to scramble back into a place that doesn't require a playoff. Right. Um, what kind of before we get to what the U.S. is bringing to the table? What kind of team are we going to see from the Dutch and, and how is Groos hitting going to set them out?
0: Well, I think they're going to be diluted a little bit because they are sort of more concerned right now about their upcoming qualifier with Latvia on, uh, on June 12th, which is, uh, which is a week from today. Um, and like you said, they're, they're not in, in super shape in, uh, in European qualifying. I mean, they, they lost their first game. Uh, to the Czech Republic. They beat Kazakhstan. That was really sort of problematic for them. Uh, then they lost to Iceland. The two losses, mind you, were away. And then they had the home game with Latvia, before which Chris Hiddink actually said, the manager actually said, if we don't win that game, I will quit. Um, then they uh, tied with Turkey, but but they're not in good shape, even though um, European qualifying has has now expanded to let 24 teams into the tournament. Um, so we're, th- this is, this is a tricky game for Holland. So they're not going to run out. I don't think all of their first team against the, against the Netherlands, uh, who's hitting has already said he's going to be sparing Stefan de Vrij and Ron Vlaar, who are, uh, who are some of his central defenders. Um, so we'll, we'll see maybe a slightly diluted team, but it should still be a very, very good team. Yeah. Re-
1: regardless, it is certainly a challenge for the United States. Again, who is ramping up to the Gold Cup, starting in about a month's time? Um, and Jurgen Klinsman's brought a team that uh, you know has got a little experience, but there's a lot of youth in this side as as well, Leander. And when you look at the questions that Jurgen Klinsmann needs to have answers to before he opens up that Gold, uh, Gold Cup campaign, where do you look first?
0: Well, I mean, the the front line is an obvious trouble spot for the U.S. and and if <laughs> You know, we can take a very big picture on it and say it, it sort of has been since Charlie Davies went down in, in 2009. Um, this is perpetually a problem area, a pain point for the U.S. Because with Josie Altzadore, sort of been the one mainstay. Clint Dempsey's sort of been shoehorned into a striker role at times. You know, we can argue whether that is whether that's his natural position or not. Um, I would argue not. Um, but neither of them are going to be there for this game. So now, once again, Jürgen is sort of having to shuffle the board up front. He sees it as an opportunity for those guys, and perhaps it is. He's got in his pool for this game, he's got Jordan Morris, Aaron Johansson, Bobby Wood, Juan Agudelo, Jesse Zardes, um, who are respectively in ages 20, 24, 22, 22, and 23. So you would expect one of those guys to sort of um, step up, although it's, it's not exactly the easiest teams to do it against since they're playing Holland and Germany. But up there is is really a problem that that needs to be addressed. So so you would hope to see some progress there.
1: Is there do you, when you look at that group though, um, and remember that Josie Outdoors' job typically is to play the center, uh, play the central position, be the the big body. I mean, he does like to to drift, and, he, and he's probably better with the ball at his feet facing goal than with his back to goal. But you still you still that they're used to having that element. They're used to at least having that release valve. Is there anybody in this in this group that can do that? And, and and then it becomes, okay, who's the pairing? Because can they work together, not get in each other's way, and complement each other?
0: Yeah, and and that's the problem, Jason. And, and you, you've hit the nail on the head there. There's really no other target man in this group. There's really no other target man in this player pool unless you sort of drop down to guys like Connor Casey or something, um, which I don't think Jurgen Klinsmann is apt to do. This has been hey, that's, a problem. It's that's America- a problem that-
1: that's American hero Connor Casey. He went down to Honduras and scored twice way back in 2008. I don't know, was forever ago.
0: Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's, that's fine. Uh, yeah, American hero Connor Casey. But other than that, and, and this was very apparent at the World Cup, that when Josie goes down, yes. this target man that the U.S. needs just isn't there. Clint Dempsey played the role a little bit at the World Cup and, and tried his best. Aaron Johansson played it, I believe, in the game when Josie Altidore went down. Um, and, and that's not really his goal. And no. all these guys are really more strikers. They're, they're sort of mobile guys uh, who like to roam a little bit, who play best off of a target man. So I don't know who's going to uh, get forced into that position this time around. If Jurgen decides he needs to play with a, with a target man, which I think he does, well, um, I mean, but the, that's, that's definitely a problem that needs solving. But
1: if they don't play with a target man, it, it requires a shift in how they play. And it certainly becomes... A situation where you're talking about probably you know I, I, I don't know I mean you're looking for again you're looking for um, those channels on the outside you're looking to to find those players in space and then uh, you know maybe um, you know bringing your your midfielders in on, on, on late runs into the box inside of those player I mean you know, they're just changing things from where they what they typically do and again well maybe that's maybe that brings me to a, to a good question Leander what do the U S typically do and has Klinsman established a typical yet.
0: Well, I mean, that's the problem, and a lot of people have been speaking lately about sort of the team's lack of identity, and I think it sort of cuts down to this issue where you don't really know what it's going to look like a lot of the time, and what it usually looks like is basically a a only slightly altered version of the U.S. of yore. I mean, it's still quite, um, it's still quite direct, it's still quite. Physical. It's still quite reactive. Although you know Jurgen has been talking about being proactive for for a very long time now. He's he's almost been in charge for four years at this point, and we've not seen a ton of that. They still don't really have guys that can distribute and that can really hog possession. Um, I feel like lately up the flanks has has been sort of a problem area, which which I think he's tried to address by either playing uh, fullbacks further up front or playing with a really narrow. Uh, midfield and then having his back sort of push forward, but I don't know that they have the tools that they're set up to be able to absorb the loss of their target man because I just kind of don't know how they're going to get the ball forward and keep it there for a while.
1: Well, okay, then that comes that brings us to the midfield and and again, it's it's recently been a a four four two with a, a diamond midfield, although you will see people question whether or not it's actually a diamond considering where. Michael Bradley's more most natural position is where his instinctive position is ahead of a defensive midfielder, but certainly deeper than the point of a of, of a diamond. Um, Michael Bradley remains the key to all of this. Has has Klinsman figured out a way to to best utilize his abilities? And are we still looking at a team that depends that's going to be creatively dependent on Michael Bradley?
0: Well, I think the problem for both Jurgen and Michael Bradley is that he's the best player on the team and that even if he's played out of position he's better at playing that than anybody else might be uh to whom that position comes naturally that's a very complicated sentence but what what that is to say is that um what even when you play Michael as an attacking midfielder he's probably a better attacking midfielder than the actual attacking midfielders in the team so he's sort of getting played out of position for the uh for the greater good but then that sort of robs the team of having him further down the field in the middle and really able to use that engine of his, which, which is so magnificent. And I think the long passing, which, which doesn't get as much of the plaudits as, as they deserve, but he's a really good passer, and you sort of have more use for that um, when he's a little bit deeper on the field. So you're going to have sort of used him as an attacking midfielder, but you could argue that that kind of makes the team weaker in, in several spots. Um, rather than just play him in his natural it, position, it's
1: so difficult. In fact, I I just wrote something that that just it fits exactly what you're saying. You play him too high, and he's not effective because his best tool, his best weapon, at least uh, cr- uh, creatively, is that that 30, 40 yard ball over the top. If yeah. you if you play him too deep, he can't he, he probably can't play that ball. Uh, he may be able to push forward, but you're also not you're also not using him to help connect. Your your uh your, your back line to your to your forwards, and then you're losing your you're creating gaps in the middle of the midfield. It's it's a, it's a, it's kind of a disaster that you have that guy who's your best player, and yet there's no there's no real best way to use him. At least in the, with this personnel, let's imagine a world. And, and in this team you've got Kyle Beckerman and and Danny Williams who are probably going to be playing um, portions of both of these games. But let's imagine a world where Klinsmann has the exact right fit to play with Michael Bradley in the center of midfield. Who is that? And what do they do? Not who is it, identify them, but I mean, what kind of player is that? What do they do?
0: I would suspect that it would be more of an attacking midfielder, someone who could distribute, um, and sort of sit behind the front line and sort of connect the dots up front so that Michael would be free to drop a little bit deeper and to play balls from out back and sort of shuttle back and forth. I mean, we can start talking about sixes and eights and tens, but, but I think Michael is at his best when he's free to drop back and shield the defense and then shuttle forward on the attack and join sort of in the second line when he basically becomes a box-to-box midfielder. Um, so I think that for him it would be liberating to have someone who can take on a little bit of that creative um, role and who can do the distribution a little bit further upfield so that he can drop back a little bit and be be sort of in his sweet spot.
1: Yeah, as you said, though, that player might not exist in the in the senior-level pool right now, and certainly Klinsman has shown no propensity to want to play Bradley with that type of player. He wants to push Bradley forward and, and put somebody behind him rather than the other way around. All right, so that's certainly something we'll be watching for as the United States takes on the Netherlands today in Amsterdam, 2.30 uh, p.m. Eastern, I believe, that game gets underway, uh, so we've talked about the strikers, we've talked about Michael Bradley. Um, I also have issues and, and questions for you lander about the the form of Brad Guzan and certainly the two players uh in well the the whole back line, but certainly the center backs in front of him
0: yeah no it's it's we we need to see um maybe just a little bit of cohesion from this team. um Guzan has had some form issues in uh, with Aston Villa, he sort of lost his job towards the end of the season, so so that's a concern although then again, maybe this summer is a nice opportunity for him to win his confidence back and to win his job back at Villa um, after, after this summer. I mean, it, it is a little bit strange to have yet another big shuffle in defense when guys like Omar Gonzalez and, um, and Matt Beesler, etc., and Jeff Cameron went to a World Cup and, and did pretty well there, um, especially because we're now getting so close to the, world, to the Gold Cup that you start to suspect that the players that are in the squad now are are probably going to make up a pretty big portion of that Gold Cup team. I mean, the, there is one other friendly before the tournament, after these two, but you, you know, you, you sort of think that maybe Klinsmann is starting to to put it together now. So it's a bit strange for those guys not to be there. So I, I think for the uh, for the replacements they'll have to really show that they can form a cohesive line at at very short notice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so this is a friendly. It's 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 warm up for the Gold Cup. On the other side, uh, the the Netherlands trying to get themselves together for European uh, qualifying. Let's talk about the uh, the big game happening tomorrow, Leander, and it's Barcelona against Juventus in Berlin for the uh, UEFA Champions League title. It's been quite the season for Barcelona. They look unstoppable. I think they're most people's favorites for obvious reasons. Is there any reason to doubt them or to believe that Juventus can figure out a way to stop the trident, as I've heard it's called?
0: <laughs> well, it's, the, the funny thing is about Barcelona, and, and I wrote this uh, for, in my Yahoo column, is that um, it's been considered, or it, it was considered for a time, to be this really difficult season. I mean, Luis Enrique, around the turn of the year, was having some troubles, uh, you know, meshing with, with Lionel you know, Messi and getting the playing style quite right and integrating Luis Suarez. And, um, the, the club's director of football, Andoni Zubizarreta, uh, was fired and then Carlos Puyol, his assistant, quit. And then the president, uh, decided to bring forward the, uh, the elections, but the, the, the club presidential elections, which he'd sort of fallen into after the Neymar scandal. And all this stuff was going on. By January 4th, they had uh, they'd already dropped points five times in the league. Real was about to run out to a four-point uh, four gap at the top, um, and everything seemed to be falling apart. This seemed to be the end of the Barcelona dynasty. And then they put everything back together, uh, won the league, won the Copa del Rey. If they win on Saturday, it'll be just the club's second treble. It'll And no other Spanish club has ever won a treble, by the way. And actually went and looked, and statistically... they won the league uh, this year by a better record than that other year that they won the treble, (laughs) 2008-2009, which is sort of considered the gold standard for Barcelona. Um, They would have won the Copa del Rey with a better record, and they would have won the Champions League with a better record. So you could argue that if those two would be the best seasons in Barca's history, that 2014-2015, statistically at least, would be their best year ever.
1: That's stunning. Um, mostly because of the exalted position of that 2008 team in the, in the pantheon of great teams. I mean, that, that's, that's up there. I mean, if not number one, then people will, you know, put it, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, included in, in, in a short list. Um, is this team actually
0: better though? That's, <laughs> Well, how do you define better? I mean, That's a good we, question. We can, get, yeah. you know, we can get very philosophical about this. I, I think you could argue fairly easily that the 2008-2009 team was better at playing tiki-taka. It, it was the <laughs> yes, first year right. under Pep Guardiola, also a first-year manager then, uh, also inexperienced, although even less experienced than Luis Enrique was when he took the job. Um, this team plays a little bit more directly. This team, I think, relies more heavily on its front line than the 2008-2009 team did. Um, but you know w- w- what is better. W- what I think is certain, though, is that they're the favorites against Juventus.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that opens up this this discussion, which we're not going to have time for. Opens up questions of is it the is it the defined style of play that they did better than anybody else that ever you know even attempted possession soccer that makes that team stand out, and this team is more conventional in the way that they play. If you know what I mean, does that make sense? and therefore doesn't quite, but, but then again, we don't have retrospect on this. We don't have uh, perspective uh, on this team yet, and they haven't even won the title yet.
0: No, true, but, but I think the 2008-2009 team was was sort of paradigm shifting, and I think yes, that's right. why that will be remembered as, a, yeah. as an all-time great team. They, yeah. they kind of reinvented how soccer can be played. Uh, I think this team has been more dominant without maybe getting as many plaudits for for their tactics.
1: Uh, so let's, let, let me flip it over because, again, Barcelona's the favorite. Everybody knows Barcelona's the favorite. If you stop Messi, which seems impossible, you, you still got to deal with Suarez and Neymar. And if you, start, if you stop those two, you got Messi. And we, we certainly know how he can take over a game by himself. And uh, Barcelona will probably have more of the ball than, than Juventus, although it's been pointed out to me that, hey, Bayern Munich had the ball. They got destroyed. It, 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 what does Juventus need to do? And, and how much of a loss is Chiellini if he doesn't play?
0: Giorgio Chiellini, their, their defender, is a huge loss. And it seems that Andrea Barzagli, one of their un- other really important defenders, is very much a doubt for this game. So, you know, for a team that likes to play with three central defenders, for, for two of those guys to potentially be out for the final is a, is obviously a, a big, big loss. Um, that said, this is a really savvy and shrewd team. They They beat a Real Madrid uh, side in the semifinals that they weren't supposed to have any chance against. And they just kind of outcome them. They have clever game plans. Uh, Max Allegri has, has really figured out how to win in Europe with this team, which, which isn't easy considering that even though Juventus has or, always sort, well, has in recent years sort of stood above the fray of the, of the slow decay of Italian soccer. You know, they're still capable of spending the big money and, and attracting big time players um, it's it's still hard coming from Italy to compete with with teams from Spain just because of the way the economics are these days. But um, you know they, they beat Borussia Dortmund in in the round of 16. They they squeaked by Monaco 1-0 on aggregate in the quarterfinals. They they beat uh, they beat Real Madrid. Um, they're they're just really really a clever team. You don't want to get into cliches about Italian soccer, and they're not even necessarily all that defensive all the time. But they're really just um, very good at at sort of unsettling opponents and and disturbing their rhythm with with really tight and organized uh, defending.
1: You know what strikes me about this Juventus team is the this the window that they have. It, it, it seems to be. That this is their chance right now. I mean, you know, this could put Juventus back on top. They could have an opportunity to become one of the preeminent clubs in Europe again, Leander. They could certainly attract talent. I know they—they've already signed uh, Dybala for next year. I know they're—they're going to bring in some some reinforcements. But Carlos Tevez is probably on his way out. There's talk about Andrea Pirlo leaving. Uh, uh, Even uh, even Gigi Buffon is talking about his future uh, at 37. That this could be, you know, when again is Juventus going to have this opportunity not only to, to win a, a European championship again, but to, to, to do it sort of surprising everybody the way that they did?
0: I, I think it'll be hard for them to surprise anybody again for a long time. I mean, you know, like you say, Paul Pogba might leave. Andre Firo yes, right. might leave. Yep. Carlos Tevez might leave. I mean, the, the, that's that's a lot of losses. And it's going to be very hard to replace those guys, especially a Pogba, who they actually signed for free from Manchester United, uh, because Sir Alex Ferguson didn't want to pay him, didn't want to prove an un, un, or didn't want to pay an unproven player uh, Mm -hmm. a top drawer salary. Mm -hmm. But uh, so so that'll be hard for them, I think. And I think people underestimate just just how good this team is in midfield with Pogba and Andrea Pirlo and Arturo Vidal. Vidal, but yeah, yeah, I, I think they do have an opportunity to sort of link back up to the top of Europe. And I don't know how much of a difference winning or losing the final makes in the transfer market, but I do think it brings back that credibility um, when you can go to players and say, you know, you're not just going to play Champions League here, but you're going to have a shot at winning it right. because, look, last year we were in the right. final. So I think that's going to help them tremendously. Um, and, of course, the, the other factors like merchandising sales and, and broadcast rights for sure. the Italian League, et cetera. Might get a little bump from this as well, so they're, they're certainly helping themselves.
1: Yeah, they, they, look, they they may be able to turn this into consistent deep runs in the Champions League. Uh, I suppose that's possible, especially if this increases their their buying power. You just said maybe losing the final doesn't winning or losing the final doesn't change a whole lot, uh, but they they are the Italian team with the brand new stadium, so they have that going to they can sell that to to, to incoming players. They obviously you know getting just getting to back to the Champions League final. And being that Juventus gives them an opportunity. They may entrench themselves as, I mean, they're already winning, uh, you know, Scudetto's hand over fist again. They're probably going to be doing that for the next 10 years, just whether or not they're going to be Champions League final material again. And again, when I say that the window's closing, I just mean on this particular team because there's going to be some significant turnover, but that doesn't mean that they won't be able to get back here.
0: Well, Juventus historically has been really, really good. I mean, before the Calciopoli scandal and they got relegated and everything became right. a big mess. Well, but they would yeah, always it. been really good at refreshing their teams, at bringing in, you know, uh, selling big stars and then bringing in other guys that became big stars. And they, they've, they've been a savvy team in a transfer market and they've always been pretty well run. So I suspect that they'll be able to build on this um, and, and, you know, recruit the necessary guys to, to be as good or better next year. And like you say, I mean, they're the only team in Italy or they're the only elite team in Italy, I should say that has its own stadium and that controls its own revenue stream. And that's been a huge game changer for them. And I think they've won, uh, Serie A three or four years in a row now. And, and that doesn't look like it'll change at least until Roma opens its own stadium and Inter Milan maybe does as well. Um, but but I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with again in the coming years, and I think European soccer is better for it.
1: All right, give me a score, Leander. Oh God, three uh, one Barca. Okay, I think that's a good call. That's, uh, I was going to go three nothing Barca, but Juventus may get a goal uh, and make it a little tighter. Leander Schleckens, follow him on Twitter. It's uh, Leander Alphabet. Is that right? That is correct. All right, there you go. Happy birthday again, Mister Schleckens. Thank you very much for your time great to talk to you as always thank you my pleasure all right let's take a break when we come back we'll open up those phone lines for just a couple more minutes before we get out on a friday lots of soccer to talk about be right back
2: Welcome
0: back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
1: 646-832-3909. You've got a limited amount of time to jump in on a Friday edition of Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Again, so much soccer happening. United States, Netherlands, today, 2.30. Tonight, Houston and Red Bulls. I'll be on Rabble.tv tonight talking about that game. Make sure you join me. 9 o'clock Eastern for that. Then tomorrow, Champions League final. Champions League final, people. Is that on Fox? Like, it's on Fox, right? Right, Like, not Fox Sports. It's on Fox, if I'm not mistaken. Fo- like, like, actual Fox. Like, Fox, I think. That's where it is usually, right? So, Champions League final. They, all that MLS that's happening, and I haven't even gone over the schedule. And I don't know if you really need me to go over the schedule, but I might. That MLS is actually not happening until the evening. First game is Philly and New York at 7. D.C. Toronto's at 7. And then it goes on from there. Also, Women's World Cup opening. That's getting underway. That start, that's a thing you need to pay attention to. Saturday, June 6th. Canada, China, 6 o'clock. New Zealand, Netherlands, 9 o'clock. There you go. That's your that's your Friday and your Saturday. That's what you need to care about right now. Just to get through those that period. Then you have you do have things on Sunday as well. You got two MLS games on Sunday. The Rocky Mountain Cup. Come out, some other things happening as well. And then Monday, US Women open up their campaign. Let's go to Jason in Jersey. What's up?
2: Hey, uh, Mr.
0: Davis, uh, when you, uh, talk about the 2002 World Cup earlier in the show, it brought back pretty bad memories of, uh, Jack Edwards. Uh, I remember at the end of the U.S. Portugal game, he said something so horrible that it still is in my memory today. He said, Mine eyes have seen the glory. <laughs>
1: come on, wait, 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 come on, that's not, is that horrible really? Come on, come on, that's horrible. That's hold on one second. Okay, that's highlights from uh, somewhere else. I don't have Jack Edwards there. All right, go ahead. Sorry, uh, you know he he did what he could do, and the guy's got a personality. I'm okay with personality.
2: Well, it, at least it's still my memory, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. If he had said something prosaic that you had heard a thousand times before, you wouldn't have a memory of it. You wouldn't remember it at all.
0: Uh, I'll give I'll give you that one. He does stand out. He, he uh is not the best uh, yeah. certainly compared to uh, the uh, broadcasters say, but uh, yeah, I'll give you that.
1: Okay, how about this? Thank you. How about this? If nothing else, we can say that Jack Edwards. Thanks for the call, Jason. Appreciate it. We can say that Jack Edwards was better than the guy who was who was two thousand six, the baseball guy. I miss. I'm I'm blanking on his name. Trevor, do you remember who that was? That ESPN hired in 2006, and he was a disaster, and everybody hated him. Yeah, Dave O'Brien. That's right. Jack Edwards, greater than Dave O'Brien. True or false? I think it's. A, I think it's a true statement. I think that's a true statement. Jonathan Janowald, <laughs> I remember at the end of the U.S., Portugal slams mute button on computer speakers. <laughs> Come on. I got a soft spot for, you know what? Maybe it's, maybe it's because of my age at the time. I mean, I was 20 something, just, just over 20 something, 20, you know, very early in my 20s. You know, I, I sort of re fell in love in, with soccer during that period. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why I have a, a soft spot for Jack Edwards. There's got to be a Jack Edwards soundboard around somewhere, right? I don't I don't know I mean I I don't feel as negatively about Jack Edwards as as some people seem to <laughs> but I still need a goal call this whole thing started because I need a goal call because I don't have one that's why well, he's Brad, here Riedel's
2: greatest is Jack his Edwards. to drive the, ball. And his uh, running the
1: 18 fans down United States I'm just looking they for something in. here. heretor corner. Yeah, there the ah, Nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> Maybe I should say something like, boom, goal! No, that's terrible. See how hard it is to come up with something decent, people. And I'm going to try tonight on Rabble.tv, so check that out. Thanks to Leander Schlachens for joining us. We're going to wrap up this Friday edition of the program. If you have Sirius XMFC, make sure you join us over there. Should be a good show today. We're going to preview the women's world cup a little bit stronger with uh, Jeff Kasouf, who knows the ins and outs of the international game on the women's side. Again, this weekend's huge. Huge. U.S. friendly. MLS, the pinnacle of the sport in Europe, the pinnacle of the, the women's sport in Canada. Should be a great weekend. I hope you enjoy it. Go to backheel.com/slash store, buy a mug, buy a t-shirt. There's great stuff over there. Here's the mug, it's pretty. Go to 3 fccom to buy a soccer morning t-shirt. And uh, yeah, support your local soccer. I don't know. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Bye.